This is the July 13th edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated with Pete Sampson from The Athletic. <coughs> with regard to the news that broke last week, shortly after we completed our podcast, uh, as everybody knows now, the Big Ten and Pac-12 have gone to a conference-only schedule for the fall. So that means that Notre Dame's chasing some, uh, chasing some numbers now from 12 opponents to nine, six left from the ACC and then one each from the MAC and the SEC and the AAC. We'll see what happens with that. But I thought it was important that we get together and talk about this a little further, guys. I mean, it's, you know, you could argue they probably had four marquee games this year, this season. Yeah. Now they have one. Um, it's a, it's a pretty devastating blow. I mean, it doesn't even feel like a real college football schedule with, if it doesn't include, Notre Dame, USC. Um, so it's, I think on our last podcast, which was three years ago, uh, when <laughs> we were talking about, man, uh, that that day on Wednesday when the Ivy League in Ohio State and North Carolina shut down, that was probably the worst day since the NCAA tournament uh, was canceled. But we've had two worst days since uh, with the Big Ten cancel- or Big Ten conference only and then the Pac-12 going conference only 24 hours later. So it's uh, been a rough stretch here. Someone sent me a message last week that said, I'm listening to your podcast, Walking My Dog, and you guys have to start retaping immediately because <laughs> everything <laughs> was just no longer news that was relevant. Yeah, though, I mean, you know, we were talking here pre-podcast that 10 games seems the most likely, which means, I mean, you're paying Western Michigan $1.3 million to come to South Bend. It might make financial sense that they don't. And you have replaced four games with two ACC teams. At this point, um, Arkansas will go kicking and screaming. <laughs> have, to, have to do some extra testing at the uh, South Bend Regional Air. Now it's International <laughs> Airport to make sure they don't uh, infiltrate. Yeah, we'll talk. Our area. We'll, we'll talk further about who might fill those spots from ACC if they go in that direction at all. But uh, yeah, yeah, madness. I, I had said on Thursday that we thought by the what day is the fifteenth is Wednesday. Wednesday. We thought I we were going to do a that, podcast Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. We thought that that um, Jack Swarbrick would be announcing what the schedule is. I imagine that could still happen, but it sounds like the ACC and Notre Dame are are working out some some issues to try to get. Notre Dame included into a uh, a schedule that is of the same amount of games as the ACC. So we'll see about that. That likely comes a little bit later in the month. That is one of our questions, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about that further when we get to that. Um, but, you know, and I did mention this the other day, that Notre Dame's relationship with the ACC, I think there's a perception out there that Notre Dame, you know, they have to woo the ACC in order to get them included in that. And And I'm not saying that it's a, it's, it's automatic and a done deal, but Notre Dame is a business partner with the ACC in all sports, but football and hockey. And I feel pretty confident. I feel very confident that ACC is going to accommodate Notre Dame in any way possible. Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame's, they're in a kind of desperate straits right now. I mean, they're usually Notre Dame is, has leverage in these kind of, you know, sort of conference scenarios. Um, this is just not one of those times. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, the ACC is, seems to be eager to like, all right, how do we make this work with you? Because if we make it work for you, then it works for us. Let me, let me just disagree a little bit with your wording there, because I do think Notre Dame ha- does have leverage from the standpoint that they have a contract signed with the ACC through 2036. Now it's not for foot. It's not for, 
It's not for being in the conference, and they do have five or six games every year with the ACC, but point point taken, sir. Yeah, it's just like the, if the leverage is you can play your six ACC games and then the rest of your schedule is Arkansas, Western Michigan, and Navy, then I, I guess if, if that is your, your best alternative to a negotiated agreement, I, I would I understand what you're saying. I think to get back to the – if you had a schedule of four marquee games and now you have one um, – I think trying to make it work with ACC. It's a mutually beneficial relationship. Absolutely. That, that, Absolutely. that I think sometimes gets lost. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why Miami and North Carolina wouldn't want to have Notre Dame on TV with them. Right? That's a, that's yeah. a marquee football. Yeah, I mean, the Miami AD already said, like, if, yeah, if we could play Notre Dame, great. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they're, they're one of the four ACC schools that lost a Big Ten opponent. So it's uh, – Florida State. I mean, yeah, Notre Dame, Florida State matchup would, would I know Florida State's not where they have been, but they're expected to head back in that direction. And Notre Dame, Florida State attracts eyeballs every I bet time. I was going to say, but Florida State's where they have been on TV, though. Yeah. I don't think of that. I see Florida State. Oh, Florida State's on. I watch them like, ah, they look like crap. But <laughs> I still see Florida State on and I go to the television set. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a long time for that to die out. It's always good to see the Florida State uniforms on TV, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, that's a it's cool. A, so many great <laughs> battles with them. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Pete, you, you brought up something about Western Michigan, and Tim, you did too. Um, you know, I, I would imagine at Western Michigan, they want that payday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pete, you had mentioned something about the testing within the MAC is not up to the level of the, the Power Five conferences. So that could be a snag as well. Um, you know, and as far as the schedule, and again, these are all all of these topics we're going to address in segment two with questions, but we are definitely hearing more and more uh, yeah. feedback and momentum from, in 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 my sense, a, a couple of pretty good sources that um, they're looking at a, a the potential of a late February or spring schedule. I know it's not ideal, but in lieu of not having a season and not making it up. Um, and then and this would create a, a whole world of problems with roster management. I, there, there, there are so many scenarios involved with this, so many snags that I can't even comprehend them all, but we are hearing some momentum for them just saying, you know what, there's a better chance of, of, of uh, the pandemic having transpired by the end of February. I don't know if that's realistic completely, but a better chance of playing football at that time and then stuffing. <laughs> how do you stuff two football season with, within one year? Uh, I don't know how you do that, but um, we're hearing a lot of momentum for that. I am. I'm sort of the mindset that like the two seasons in one calendar year is pretty easy to do uh, just from a work rate or workload. Right. Man. You got, but you got to take into account what this, what you put the athletes through too. I mean, that's a, that's from our perspective. No, I'm just saying, like, they, they're training all year round anyway. Um, yeah, they're not getting hit all year round anyway. Yeah, not that, saying, yeah football yeah. season in February, March, and April, you're getting you, – there's a level of physicality that you never duplicate outside of an actual football season. Well, I mean, you're, you've taken the fall off, right? I mean, you, you should never be healthier than when that spring season started. And then I'm saying the season that you're playing in the spring is sort of the eight, nine-game variety. Um, I don't think there's going to be a full 12, 13 games. You're not playing 13 games in the spring and then playing another 13 games in the fall. Like there's I, the idea of Notre Dame playing the, let's say they play Navy and 
eight ACC teams. That's it. That's the season. You make the playoff, great. If you don't, season's over. Why wouldn't you play USC in the spring, though? I don't know. I mean, it would be great if you could. But I just I, find I, this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think to at some you. point, you just have to be like, all right, this this is the reality of the world we're working in. Um, let's get something on the books in spring, and then the, the fall can be normal. But I just, I the the player safety thing. I think while complicated, if you had if you had a serious knee injury early in that spring season, it would essentially cost you two seasons. Yes, that is that is. I know. Complicated. I know one player that's not playing in the spring. Trevor Lawrence. Oh no! Yeah, he's he's yeah. the. Top of the list of guys but, not playing but, this But I, I, think, uh, I think there's going to be, and we're already hearing hints of some players speaking out and saying, wait a minute, you know, you want us to be guinea pigs for this upcoming season. I would think that by, you know, if they reset the schedule for the end of February, I think at that point there would be a lot of college football players saying, you know what, I'm not taking part in this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to have, you're going to make all this money, you know, continue to make all this money by squeezing another football season, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I think that that undersells the desire of players to play football. Like, I think they want to play. I think in general they want to play, but I also think that there are some elite players out there looking at the NFL draft coming up saying, I'm not going to jeopardize my situation. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah, just spitballing, I, I, I would, and, I, and I, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't play either. Um, right, and football players that's not are a reason not players. to I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying it. I, I agree with you. I, you yeah. know, I, and I think that maybe that's the best scenario as we move forward. I'm just saying that I think by that stage, there's going to be a lot of high level elite players that are saying, I'm not taking part of this. Yeah, I agree. We only have 27 more questions on the schedule coming up in segment two. Right. So, so we we're going to end segment yeah. one and go to segment two, where we have 27 questions. <laughs> we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is segment two of Ivor Illustrated Insider. We call it Burning Up the Boards. Our first question is from Greg Fulmong, and it is, what is the most underrated aspect of recruiting, and what is the most overrated aspect of recruiting? Uh, I will go with stars and stars. It's the same <laughs> answer for both. Because people fit, treat it as total gospel, uh, whereas in the infallible word, word of the great, uh, you know, whether it's Fa- Mike Farrell or Barton Simmons, they're that they are not to be questioned ever. Um, it is the most important thing in the world of recruiting. But however, it's also dismissed as like completely irrelevant. Um, so <laughs> somehow stars has managed to be the answer for both because people are unable to have a sort of a logical, like, yeah, it's really important. Like if the consensus on stars was, yeah, really important, opposed to it is gospel not to be questioned and complete rubbish. Don't ever read it is irrelevant uh, because I have these two exceptions to this rule with 500 examples um, that maybe it wouldn't be stars and stars, but I think just the inability for people to have a rational discussion about it makes it most, the most overrated and underrated. 
You know, uh, right before Pete, you logged on, we were talking about this first question, and I said, you know, the most underrated and overrated part is stars. So you ah. just stole my thunder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll back down on this one, but I also think um, little overrated is the must-get recruit. Um, not this goes back to, of course, you need good recruits, but. For instance, remember how important Sam Young was when he signed? Oh, he became yeah. a good player, started, helped Notre Dame, and the next three tackles that started were all better than Sam Young. <laughs> Zach that, Martin, Rodney Stanley, and Mike McGlinchey. No small feat. No yeah, small I mean, I'm not, that's not a bad that. thing about Sam Young, but clearly they could have gotten another good tackle right. instead of Sam Young, and it would have worked out okay. But, yeah, stars and stars. You don't think uh, Musket applies to Rocco Spindler it, this time around? It does. Where it, Notre Dame is in recruiting? That is more in the aggregate because of losing other people. Now, let's say they had Colsey and Shipley. He is a must-get just for the health of an offensive line. But if you had Colsey and Shipley, you wouldn't say, oh, they finally missed on a guy. You yeah. just say, oh, they finally missed on a big target, right? But we, but we do agree that there has to be a star rating. Otherwise, right. like, oh, of course. I mean, yeah, there, you've, got, but, you've got to have, it's got to have some perspective. Yeah, when a guy commits or signs, or I'm all like I'm all for ranking guys with stars. Like I think it makes perfect sense. It's the inability to have a rational conversation about it that's the problem. Since this has nothing to do with scheduling and COVID, I have two things to add to it. (laughs) Number one is two years ago when Tim and I started rating the countdown instead of just going alphabetically, someone said they were offended by us rating uh, college students by 90 to one and the first response was you subscribe to a website that literally exists due to star rankings and number two every year when the super bowl has 57 three stars because you know it gets there's a lot more three stars in the world i would like to point out that uh i think it was denver and um carolina that had uh the most three stars ever in a super bowl and that was some that was a story written in usa today and uh, as the game started, the most important play was made by five-star Von Miller on five-star Cam Newton to change the game for the safety. But, you know, those guys matter, too. They, they're involved. Well, yeah, and I think – and we'll move on after that. I, you know, I mean, I think it's important that, that people understand that when you're – there's a difference between rated when you're 17 and being rated when you're 19, 20, 22. I mean, guys, guys improve. Uh, women improve and, and they get worse or the competition passes in them up, which is what happened to me personally. But uh, <laughs> I've told you before, I was one of the best 15 year olds in the yeah, country. That was your that didn't said, last. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, we got, we, and that's a good point guys, but thank God for the star rating. Cause it gives you some perspective and some balance and something to measure people um, to others with. Not Jay Tafel asked, do you believe there will be a recruiting on campus this fall? I, I mean, my, my knee-jerk reaction is no, but I think if we're, if we're in a world where colleges are open in person, even if there's no football, um, it, would not, it wouldn't surprise me if official visits were allowed even at a time when college football was not being played, just based on like, how few people are involved in that and the overwhelming majority are on your campus either. I think the answer is probably not, but I guess I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, I would guess no, but you make a good point. Uh, if fans are allowed in the stands at any type, I say, I mean, more than just the students and faculty who are already on campus in the pseudo bubble, if yeah. any fans are allowed, you could probably have a few official visits too, right? I mean, cause fans aren't going to be limited from where they drive from. I don't think you're not going to show an ID. 
And right. there's, cer- there's certainly ways to protect the, the families of the recruits and to, I mean, you, you create a, you create a social distance visit to a large extent. Right. I mean, which I think is fairly easy. Um, right. Right. They just don't go out and do the, uh, obviously you don't have a, you know, a, someone that takes you around on Saturday night, like they used to. Right. right. That's impossible, but that's, they probably would have mandatory, um, I mean, the team will be quarantined. The team's not going out Saturday night anyway anymore, right? I wouldn't think. So they'd be probably with the guy, with the official recruits, a few of them. Yeah, you would think. I guess I mean, the host, they got to get the feeling of the, of the campus with the host. Yeah, not just with Brian Kelly. That. Yeah. Um, I just think, like, if, you're, if you brought people in, you put them up at the Morrison on a floor that was, like, dedicated to that. Um, you sort of had them at a distance from everyone else. Cause I mean, you're also trying to protect your roster from somebody yes. coming in that has it, um, that you're sort of importing that, but it's like, if it's just three people, then that seems doable to me. We have a question from MAK341. What would be your final recruitment pitch to Rocco Spindler? I would not use what I just said that not every, not one recruit is all important. That would be a bad idea to use that. That's just my, uh, <laughs> but I like to speak you, truthfully. Would, instead so you of, would include, <laughs> you would include you're a must get for us. You're Rocco. a must get. I would, I would, I would lie for yeah. sure. You're not uh, I, would, wanted, I, would, you're I would include Quentin Nelson in my last recruiting pitch too. I think in some way, shape or form, we need the next, this guy right here. You're our next, this guy. All that sounds good. You know, the fact that you didn't really sign a guard last year and only signed one a year earlier, that would fit in there. And then, look, I mean, Notre Dame has, hopefully the, the quarterback situation is trending in a good way with, with Tyler Buckner. Um, you know, that's, that's somebody that you probably want to be a part of uh, their program as well. I mean, like Michigan can just throw JJ McCarthy back. So maybe that's a bit of a wash, but I would say that the, the depth chart here at guard at least is, pretty favorable that you're going to have a chance to have an early impact, which is kind of tough to do as an offensive lineman in most places. Yeah. Would, go ahead, Tim. Well, I would get my hands on the tax returns of Ronnie Stanley and Zach Martin and Mike <laughs> McGlinchey and, and uh, Quentin Nelson. I, you know, now Nelson's a guard and so he's not, well, Nelson probably will, but guards generally don't make as much as tackles, but I don't think you can say those names often enough. Um you know, if it comes, it's coming down to Notre Dame and Michigan, presumably, I, I think the direction of the program and the success of the program and just having played in the playoffs, I mean, these are all obvious things, but I don't think that you can emphasize the differences between Notre Dame and, and Michigan right now. I don't think you can emphasize those enough. You know, unfortunately, Michigan, whether they should or not, has a good trump card over Notre Dame's playoff appearance. And that's the last time they played. Yeah. Yeah. That's an ugly thing. Yeah, true. Can't it, do it much about a, that. That's for Michigan to pitch. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. They're not listening anyway. They're, right. that's go, go ahead, Tip. Jay Paulus, twenty-two. What do you think of Luke Fickle possibly being Brian Kelly's successor? Do you think Notre Dame would be interested in Fickle? You know, I like his run-pass balance. He's a, I'm an old-school guy when it comes to the running game, and certainly he he's a big believer in that. He had the he had the one shot deal with Ohio State and finished under five hundred and and Urban Meyer came in and immediately turned things around. So I guess that's a negative. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that Luke Fickle. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look at that a little bit closer. I don't know that uh, fans across the country, Nordic fans across the country, would 
would get real excited about the name Luke Fickle's as successor to Brian Kelly. I mean, my understanding. I do think he's a good no, solid. Like, you know, he's involved in recruiting. That that's pretty high on the priority list, sure. right? Um, and I mean, you mentioned the Ohio State experience. I think you could you could use that as a positive. Um, you know, there's no, there's no reason why he couldn't have learned a ton from that. Um, right. You know, taking over a program in pretty adverse circumstances and sort of failing. Um, no, and he said too, he's put together back to back really, really good yeah. years for Cincinnati, and so that think, probably carries more weight than anything that happened prior yeah. to that. But it's like you know, maybe he got something out of that experience at Ohio State. That's now you're seeing, uh, you know, show itself at Cincinnati. Um, I, I, he would definitely have to be on the list. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Defensive guy, run, uh, run first guy. Um, I think I think those things those things fit pretty well at Notre Dame. Yeah, he's on the list, but this kind of illustrates how hard it is to get that next coach for Notre Dame. I mean, there's there's a reason for everybody not to be prepared to be at Notre Dame unless you talk about like five established national championship coaches in college football every year. Really, Lou Holtz probably didn't have a much of a downside coming over to Notre Dame. I mean, that was universally accepted as this is a home run hire, but. I mean, you don't, Tim, we, we, I think PJ Fleck's a good coach, but is it a, is it automatic they get PJ Fleck and he does a great job at Notre Dame like he did at Minnesota? It's, it's not, right? I have I Satterfield over Fleck. Oh, no, no doubt about it. I mean, look. Well, don't you have Fleck over Fickle, though? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I do. De- I mean, definitely. The, the, the proof is, is what he's done as, as a college head coach. I get that. Um, Satterfield's a guy, though, that I just, you know, I mean, this is a guy that we've been talking about. I was talking about him last year at this time, yeah. saying, man, I think this guy's going to be really good. Now, he's got to get a defense. He's got to put a much better defense on the field. And to uh, be fair, he, he was hamstrung. No one thought they could play defense going to next year. Oh, going to last year because it was no, just broken. No it was yeah, a the, broken the, concept they had to redo. The roster was imbalanced yeah. and – but, you know, I mean, Kevin Sumlin went to Texas A&M and, and, you know, really raised the profile, but they were never able to play defense. Yeah. And so Satterfield is going to have to prove that. And, and that just starts with improvement this year because they were really bad. Now, they've got, a, they've got a small linebacker core, but it's a good active linebacker core. They've got some guys on the back end of the defense. Um, he, he, I mean, he would definitely be my first choice, and I think a lot of people feel that way now. Um, but you know, Fickle's Fickle's definitely on the list. I'm yeah. not I'm not ruling him out at all. Question from Allegretto Guy, and that is how soon do you think it will be before Nordim has their new final schedule ready for the 2020 season? I feel like by the end of this month. That's uh, yeah, but I wouldn't go earlier than that, really. No, I, I would mean, have thought I was thinking it was going to be this week, but now it's de- it's it's going yeah. to be delayed. If it's delayed, though, it's not because they're trying to delay it a couple of days, I don't think, right? I mean, as Pete says, by the end of the month, but not Monday. Does that make sense? It's not, yeah, I think. Not like yeah. as soon as we stop recording. No. Right, right. Um, right, and, and, and it's just some... Tim, I, I don't want you to make that point, but, I mean, we're not talking about, like, I think the perception is, okay, all these games are scheduled, now we schedule around those. It's probably, do you start from scratch with this schedule? The ACC starts from scratch? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's a good question because I don't think the Big Ten has necessarily underlined what they're going to do. Um, and there's some talk that they're going to try to add a, a tenth game. Um, so they just would play essentially 10 conference games. Um, 
I'm assuming that you would just sort of play the teams that you are that you're already scheduled to play if you're the ace if you're an ACC team. If, if that works uh, out, right? what I'm saying is if if they if the ACC includes Notre Dame, maybe you have you have to shift some things then. So Notre Dame has let's say it starts on time, which is another question we'll be answering a thousand times. But Notre Dame has four open dates, right? You have um, your bye week and the three games that were canceled. So there's four ways of working in say three ACC opponents. I'm kind of looking at a 10 game schedule, aren't you? Like, are we yes. really thinking 12 game schedules anymore? No, That's not even no. an option. Okay. So working in ACC opponents in those four weeks, I don't think anyone is any wants to be opening on week zero anymore, even though that week kind of does exist. It seems very odd that they would pull it up a week. August 29th seems that's totally gone. Um, do you play? I don't think you go past Thanksgiving either. So you're looking at no. 10 games and they have four weeks to schedule in two opponents. Figuring they might lose one more. You know, they might lose the Western Michigan. But if the season, I mean, say they don't start till the middle of September or the third week of September. Now then you, you're in a lot of luck. Then now, you're now you now yeah. you have to reconfigure the schedule for everybody. Right? Well, Notre am Dame. Seeing, am I not seeing something here? Notre Dame should be no, you know, they sh- there should only be one ACC game in week one for a few of the teams, right? Because they say then they start rolling the schedule out um, in week three, most conference schedules. So really, Notre Dame should be playing an ACC team in week two instead of Arkansas. And honestly, if they could move, and Navy's not going to move again, but that would have been ideal if Navy just would have moved again for Notre Dame to, to accommodate the ACC has had games dropped, you know, they, or, or can easily drop games. Like, hypothetically, Virginia is just playing a team that has from the back, and they're not going to play them anymore. Well, that's when Notre Dame can play Virginia. But once Virginia's into their schedule, they have seven straight ACC games, right? With a bye probably worked in. Every I, conference plays non-conference games in the first couple of weeks, not in right, the middle of the season. Right, 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 right. I, you know, I just, I, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, I just think that if, if they try to incorporate Notre Dame, then that's going to throw some things off. And I, I haven't yeah. sat down and looked at each of the schedules and how Notre Dame fits in or anything like that. But, but um, you know, the, to, in answer to Guy Allegretto, Allegretto Guy's question, um, probably a couple of weeks, probably end of, end of July before we hear from the ACC. I have two questions here, one from Joseph Ramos and the other from the Two Irish Brothers show. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, going to lump them together. Who are the three teams in the ACC that, that you'd like to see Nordin fill those three gaps with? And then the Two brother, two Irish Brothers show asks, do you want to see a matchup between Notre Dame and Miami? I mean, Florida State, Miami would be, if you're give me two, I would, I would grab those two. Um, also, if Phil Jacoba got eligibility, I would want to see college. <laughs> oh yeah, but well, North Carolina. The second is, question: Yes, Miami. Miami's a layup. That's that would be an obvious one to do. North yeah, and you, Pete, you talked about the marquee games that were lost. North Carolina is. Oh yeah, North Carolina would be interesting. Projected on some levels to win their division. So those are my three: Miami, Florida State, and North Carolina. Yep. Um, the Boston College thing is a good one. That's that would be fun. I think. Uh, that would be that would blow up Notre Dame internet too if that could happen. So it'd be worth it right there. And you, uh, I the, might just sit uh, on Twitter that whole game. And not the, work. the Notre Dame NC State game would be the 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 Nick McLeod Bowl. Yes, that's right. Not quite as big as the Phil Dracona. No, no but, definitely, um, definitely not. But I bet NC State would love to see Nick McLeod and have an opportunity to 
take a shot at him. I don't want to. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I, uh, I don't want to be a downer, but this is the first time ever we don't answer a question about who do you want to see them play with the city we're going to is the trip that matters. Yeah. <laughs> Normally you'd be like, Miami, I want to go to Miami. <laughs> no, no, not really. But Miami okay. could be a game itself then. Yes. Which is just sad. You know, the other, the other possibility is Virginia Tech, Syracuse, NC State. Not Virginia, Syracuse. Virginia. I've seen enough of that team. Yeah, but they're they're back to where they – I think they're back to where they were. No, I mean, I've seen enough of Syracuse on a oh, field in front of me. I don't want to cover yeah. them. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, I don't want anything to do with them. It's boring. There's no <laughs> stupid number 12 ranking at the Yankee Stadium. Oh, my God, that team. All right. Way to go, K-Man. Is it possible that Notre Dame plays in the ACC championship game this season? I don't know how the ACC would allow that right. to happen. They have other teams playing. Notre Dame is, for Notre Dame to push for that would be a real slippery slope that I think that they would rather stay off of. No. Well, let's, say let's say they beat Clemson, and that's when they say, hey, well, what, about, uh, <laughs> what about us? What about playing Clemson again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, no, that's not a good idea. I think of all the unlikely <laughs> scenarios we're about to go through, this is the least likely scenario. Yeah, and so let me jump ahead to a question from Kaiser Wilhelm to tie that in, and that is, assuming there's a season, put a percentage on the following scenarios. Nordane plays at six ACC games and select up, selects other opponents, Navy, et cetera. Nordane plays a full ACC slate as an independent and without being part of the formal conference standings. And then the third is Nordane plays a full ACC slate as temporary football membership with a place in the standings and a shot at the conference championship. So what percentage would you put on Nording being included in the ACC scenario as far as winning the conference? The last one I give 5%. 5% is what I would list that at. The middle one is – The middle one is – for you, Pete? 1%. 1%, 1% yeah. The middle one is a solid 75%. ACC plays a full – including Navy – Notre Dame plays a full ACC slate as an independent without being part of the formal conference standings. And then ND plays six ACC games and select other opponents, but no other ACC teams. I don't think that'll happen. I think the ACC is going to be with Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't think that will happen either, uh, but I don't know that I would put 75% on. The middle one? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, look. I was kind of reading I'm the, the first one. one. Keep, yeah, I mean, I'm the one that keeps pounding the drum about Stop thinking that the ACC is going to squeeze Notre Dame out, but I, I, I don't. I, no, they're no, I, I, they're uh, they're definitely not going to squeeze them out. But give them ten games against the ACC. I'm not sure. I'm not ready to say that's a seventy five percent chance of happening. I guess I was including Navy and eight or eight. I mean, the ACC is only playing nine games, right? Yeah, I, I can yeah. see Notre Dame playing three more ACC teams than Navy. Yeah, they don't play more. They don't play more than that normally. The ACC is not going to play. Yeah, but you don't think they'll adjust it to 10 this year where they play 10 conference games instead, including Notre Dame. Well, see, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you if you. Man, I don't know. I don't we don't have the damn answer to this. I I don't (laughs) I I think think they all play nine and Notre Dame and Notre Dame plays maybe I think Notre Dame could play eight. So plus two ACC games and play Navy. 
And that way you would sort of like, well, we can't, we couldn't have them be in the conference championship game. They only played eight games. And Notre Dame would be like, great, awesome. We're totally cool. Uh, Notre Dame's not going to push to play in the ACC championship game. That's going, that's going a little too far. Um, CMU Pence fan, as of now, Notre Dame is still slated to return students to campus. If that cannot happen and Notre Dame has to go remote, does Jack Swarbrick kill the season? I don't know if he'd be the one that would do it, but yeah, he wouldn't. Do, he wouldn't make that call. Yeah. Um, do you think they kill the season though? If that yeah, happens, I agree. I think Notre Dame's pretty adamant about, and Notre Dame is going to. Notre Dame is all in right now, unless something has changed since last week. But I mean, Notre Dame is all in right now on trying to do everything they can to get the students back. Uh, President Reverend Jenkins speaks about the confidence that he has that they can pull that off. I find it hard to believe that he's as confident as he speaks publicly yeah. about, but they're going for it in trying to get this student body back on campus. I mean, the irony of that, though, go ahead. Yeah, I don't want to read too much of this, but Notre Dame's official Twitter account, they changed the photo and the logo to the monogram with here written underneath it. So I don't think you can do that without like really being all in on, yeah, you're going to be here um, all the way back in South Bend. So. You know, it, there's an irony, though, from a football fan's perspective. Let's, we, we all know Notre Dame's message and their mission is going to be camp, students on campus. It's a school. We have a football team as well. We're not playing football if we don't have students. But honestly, if the students aren't on campus, the football players are less likely to contract anything because you've taken away 7,000 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, they still no, make money for, and they still make all the money that was going to be lost. Yeah, for TV. No, I, I mean, it true is that it's it's accurate though, right? The TV money still comes in. Notre Dame plays football, and they're less likely to get sick. The mathematics of that are hard to argue. Yeah, but obviously that's not all that Notre Dame is going to care about. All right, this kind of ties in. This kind of ties in the next question from Terry Benedict, and it is, and he says, a Tim O'Malley special. Rate the probability: no season, delayed season, stop and start season, full season. Whole season is in 12 is 1%. That's like Notre Dame playing in the ACC championship game. Yeah. Uh, Full full 10 game season um, is the least likely still. (laughs) Full 10 game season is still the least likely. So no season means they would play in the spring, right? We're not just getting rid of that. That's what I was going to say. We have to include, you have to include spring season, I think, in this ranking. Well, I think delayed season is a guarantee. Because Jack Swarbrick said, I don't think we're going to start on time. And he, for some reason, knows more than I do about this. So I'm and going he with said, him. He said that, that, I don't know if he said that to that to me in March, but when he had his virtual meeting. Oh, he said it last week. He yeah. said it last but week. He, but, he first, but he first said it with his. Oh, did he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I quoted it, I quoted it the other day. Well, that's um, number, I mean, that's number one because he just said it too. There's, that's, seems like he knows something going on there. So delayed season. That's your number one. Is number one. Spring season is number two. Stop and start. Stop and, or start and stop season is so, number yeah. three. Stop, start, stop. Yeah. Full season 10 game, I'll say number four, and no season's number five. I think they give it a shot in some way, shape, or form, and that, if that includes the spring. I think, I think someone's going to play football, don't you? Yeah, I think if spring yeah. season was its own option, to me, we're, I would put that number one right now. Well, um, delayed season for sure. They're not starting on September fifth, right? Yeah. When I yeah. when I I guess when I read delayed season, I I think it starts uh, the first weekend in October. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I guess if spring is grouped in delayed, that is by far number one. 
I um, agree with that. I mean, I don't even know how you could avoid that. Um, full season would be last. Um, but I, th- I feel like no season, meaning like they don't even play in the spring, is also highly unlikely. Um, yeah, that they can't afford – look, they can't afford to do that. Now, they may try, and it's just not feasible. Right, right because – Pre-podcast, I was whining about why is February magical, right? Other than it's more time, like going back to the Yeah, well, but time is magical. Right, it is. But time, you know, in March, August is magical. In March, we were wondering if they are going to play in Ireland. Yep. No, I I agree, but... I'm with you. Mathematics, like Pete said, my get get the students off campus and play football mathematically works. But and this mathematically works to play in February, but until it's February, and then it doesn't work anymore. And then you say, Well, June, June will be better. Have a summer football. I, I just feel like I don't know why and I don't know why pushing it back from September fifth to August first makes sense. What is what I mean October first. What is that? Yeah, so Sorberg had mentioned that is when I talked to him in April and he felt like that was sort of the most likely outcome or one of, of, one of yeah. maybe not the most likely, but a, a serious outcome where you could, because you could preserve the schedule as is essentially you just lap off the first four games. I didn't really understand that because there are some teams that play conference games in the first four games, but um, that was his, his perspective on that. I mean, that's obviously all changed now. So the, f- the first Saturday in October is the third so I mean, you could you could play five games in October and four games in November. So we're just delaying more and more for a month because the curve will go down more. That's in well, I September. mean, you're, you're the virus has to go away at some point or diminish at some point. It's certainly not now. I, I mean, I, I, Tim, it, I, you know, world, I, I mean, if the world looked like it does it did a month ago today then i feel like the delayed season would make more sense than it does i agree with you but it just doesn't right correct uh, yes because the world does not look <laughs> no, like right. it did a month ago i don't really like would revert to that either i don't i still have to make these decisions yeah what, i mean i just think spring spring is ultimately going to be what happens and i i i would hope that if you're in a, a leadership position in athletics you're modeling out exactly how a spring season would work now um, because there's no reason to not devote a lot of time on those hypotheticals at this point, the way things are going. Okay. Let's uh, let's, let's change this a little bit. Irish obsessed in the hypothetical scenario where the season is pushed to the spring, which players stand to gain the most this upcoming season from a full fall with Matt Bayless? You know, it's, I, I feel like you do look at the Maris Leifau's, Jack Kaiser group. Um, certainly, surely every early enrollee um, would be yeah. would be big there because um, they'd be training. You know, and it, this isn't like maybe this is a subject for a different podcast, but if you face spring season, um, Tyler Buckner's probably on your quarterback depth chart. Um, so, I mean, that would be kind of interesting as well, but I, it's your early enrollees and your power players who are current freshmen would be the big winners. Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. I think I'll go with the talent, um, perhaps acclimating and being ready to hit the ground running a little more. So Chris Tyree and Jordan Johnson, after spending five months with Matt Bayless, their skills might be readily accessible 
after being in a college program and going out and playing because they're they're so good. I mean, you could throw Xavier Watson there too. It's, there's no more. There's not a much of an assimilation period if you've been training for a college football season since July and you start playing in late February. And maybe their talent could shine through. Uh, and one kind of outside the box one would be Quinn Carroll would help him out a lot, not falling behind because I think he's on the. You know, we've kind of pushed him to the back burner when he <laughs> tore his ACL in August because obviously he's not going to he's not going to contend for a, a role this year. Um, after missing a year, but that would probably help him to contend for a role in the whatever you want to call the 2021 season in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Not the spring one, yeah, but the next so fall one. The, yeah, so the spring one, that would be the, the second 2021 the season. The second yeah. 20, well, the whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I think as long as Tariq Bracey's on the roster, we'll probably say that he could benefit from that. But yeah, like you said, Pete, Leofile, uh, um, and then Aaronsberger, you know, he's got to grow yeah, into the defensive one. end size. I think. I think maybe, well, Shane Simon would probably benefit greatly. I'm not exactly sure where he is in his his rehab, but I'm sure he would definitely be ready by the spring. Um, Zeke Corral has been fighting to put weight on. I understand that he has done that, uh, but still, that's that's a battle for him. And then, as you said, Tyree and Johnson and guys like that, offensive Baker and Carmody, offensive linemen that would really benefit from from more time getting bigger. The guy we talked about all summer um, and kind of heard that needs some time with the coach Mike uh, with Mike Elson would be Isaiah Foskey would probably really be raring to go if he has seven more yep. months in a uh, Notre Dame weight program. I Tim. hope that doesn't happen. I hope we see a underdeveloped Isaiah Foskey sacking the quarterback in September. <laughs> go ahead, Tim. Matt's Rogers. Does Notre Dame get into the playoffs with an undefeated season and win over Clemson? Uh, it's a, it's a, you know, again, going back to what Pete said at the beginning, the marquee games that were lost, that's why it's important to play Florida State, North Carolina, Miami. I know who are the, who are the best teams of that of that group. Um, well, I tell you what. I say absolutely yes. Absolutely yes? Yeah, because Clemson's a late game statement win. Sure. Late late season statement win. They can come, Notre Dame can come out and be undefeated and be ranked twelfth in the first playoff poll, and then they beat Clemson, who's number one. Again, again, you're you're assuming that there's no reconfiguration of of the schedule. Yeah. You have to ACC. do some type. We have to assume. So if that were the case, point. then Louisville at the end of the year, I expect Louisville to be a pretty good football team. They can beat a ranked. Well, that Louisville would be team. that would those would be you know those would be two huge. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean Clemson certainly is your ultimate marquee win but Louisville would be too and the season's on the line at Provo on Thanksgiving Saturday yes assuming that BYU is inserted into that last spot Provo is the Manhattan Beach of North Central Utah Pete your thoughts on Notre Dame undefeated being in the the playoffs yeah because because they would have beaten Clemson Um, you know there's just no way that they would make it at however many wins and one loss if that one loss is at Clemson um, or, or against Clemson I should say so i they're, that's the deal Notre Dame has made with the playoff. Like if they're going to go undefeated, they make it. And if they don't, we'll see. Um, and I think they're okay with that, but I, I don't, I don't feel like the calculus on being undefeated would, would change because you would have a win over Clemson on your resume. Coach CFT asked, what do you believe the odds would be to college football naming a champion this year? Hmm. I think, uh, I mean, I guess you have to account for the fact that there's no season at all, right? So that yes. there wouldn't be a champion. Um, 
you know, so what are the odds of that? I think they're pretty low. I think there will be a season either in the fall or spring. And as long as there is, there will be a champion at the end of it. Yeah. If I can include the spring, I would say there's a hundred percent chance they'll name a champion. 95. And they might not play any football. Actually. I'm sorry. 95% and, what happens, and what happens with bowl games if they play in the spring? What happens with bowl games if they play in the fall? I don't know right. why you'd have them. Wow. A lot of communities depending upon those dollars. I know. But... Those bowl game dollars that, man, I don't know. Any uh, Davis, too, in the event no football is played this season, how do you anticipate the NSA handling eligibility for 2021? I mean, I think we know that based on how they handle it for the spring, where it's essentially left up to the conferences and schools. I asked Swarbrick about this in April, and he said that they're at Notre Dame for spring sports that were canceled. Um, they essentially left it up to the coaches whether you wanted to sort of honor that scholarship or not. Um, so if let's say there's no, no season, um, and I'm just going to – like, and you're a senior who never really plays. Um, I don't think your scholarship's going to be around. Um, but if you're, I, I think that if you're Ian Book and you wanted to come back, that scholarship would be there um, because that's, that's how Notre Dame dealt with the spring sports. So I don't know why that would be any different um, of a year from now if, if this hits fall sports in the same way. More scholarships though, right? Yeah, I mean, you it's have to. You that's part have to of like, football. Spring, this is one of the spring season complications, right? You would have early enrollees on your roster at the same time as your senior class was still would still be there. Um, Maybe they could not play. There would have to be some relief for that. Yeah, early enrollees could not play because they could count it as a twenty twenty football season. I'm just I mean, wouldn't that, I mean, wouldn't that be a counter to players getting worn out? Yes, it would. Have no, more it would players be. at your availability at, at your disposal. Um, I guess I'm saying you don't have to add scholarships if the early enrollees can't play. You do have to add scholarships if the early enrollees can play. They should add scholarships. Just, I would just give them relief if you have early enrollees. Great, like they they're like non counters above the 85 man limit. That's good too. Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, you might have to encourage early enrollees because you don't know what's going to happen to the state of your roster if you play in the spring. And they're going to be extra eager to be early enrollees because their high school season probably got wiped out in this scenario. True. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sure. True. <laughs> uh, last question from C. Frazier. What will you miss the most about college football this year? And he's, it's pick me up. He, he's assuming that it's not played. So what will, if the season is not played, what will you miss about it most this year? Uh, well, for this schedule in particular, this may have been an all-time travel schedule for Notre Dame Beat Media that has been reduced to potentially nothing. Rubble. Um, Rubble, yeah. yes. <laughs> so that, I'll miss that a lot. I mean, I just, I'll, I'll just miss the energy of 80,000 people getting together where it's here or a road stadium that we're at, because even if there is a season that's played, it's not going to have, I mean, it's going to feel like going to a bunch of spring games. Um so that the electricity of a college football season, I mean, just think about like how it felt to be in a press box at Georgia last year. Yeah. It was incredible. Um, it, and even if, even if Notre Dame was playing at Georgia this year, I mean, it would be a barely a shadow of what it was. I mean, part of college football is the spectacle of it, which involves 80,000 people going absolutely nuts uh, for three straight hours. And that's, I'm going to really miss that part of it. I think we all agree Culver is number one, right? That's what I'm <laughs> <most>. <laughs> Culver. 
Um, no, I think that, uh, yeah, it's, I, I love walking into the stadium at Notre Dame. I like the walk across campus to the stadium. Um, sometimes on the road, you're just glad to find a media gate. So that's a little different, but I really love the beginning. Like the beginning of the Georgia game was amazing. The beginning of the Clemson game, a big game when it starts is the best feeling. Um, finishing your writing and sometimes on a day game and still having some time to watch college football is a great feeling too when you're home that really doesn't happen much on the road but that that's really nice for uh we had some 230 games too set up this year by the way we're gonna actually be getting done earlier they're probably starting the, they'll probably start in the spring at 8 p.m just to make us feel terrible but uh i miss pretty much everything about friday saturday thursday friday saturday is great college football you really start ramping up for the next week all the housekeeping's done from the previous game, you know, and that's a lot of fun in our profession. I don't know that there's ever been anything that exceeded Georgia, what we experienced, because it's open air, right? I mean, I was at I was at Miami in 89, and that's one of the most, you know, unbelievable environments I've been in. But I mean, it's those environments, and especially especially in September and October when the season, you know, you, you, I mean, the season's still on the line and the weather's good. We're on the field doing video before the game. And for me, the feeling like right before kickoff, like right before kickoff, the feeling I have in my stomach is similar to when I was a player and when I was a coach. I mean, it's, you know, there's the, the butterflies and the, the emotions that are going through you. It's just awesome. Mainly what I hope I don't miss with the football season is a paycheck. That's at the top of my list. <laughs> Things I don't want to miss. That's, yeah, that's that's not a good one. That's by the way, the next person that ever says someone in college football media doesn't want a season. Oh God! I mean, grow up. What do you think? The first person who said that should have had grow up. What do you think? Yes, all of them. It's, it's been said a lot. Should, you know, you should just stay off Twitter for the rest of our lives. We'll be better off. But Oof. yeah, there's nothing. There's not many things I won't miss about college football. I think we all know we're already missing one certain hotel. Jerks in the Pac-12. Yeah. Could never schedule that conference again. Going to bed at 4 a.m. on Saturday with a 7 a.m. flight. I, I, that's not yeah. something. I'm yeah. those, that's right. Those that's, things, that's happened a few times. Those things are uh, are definitely not missed. Irish Illustrated Insider, that's what you've been listening to. We appreciate you joining us here on Monday, July 13th, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.